We're back. The Whiskey Hue from three business enthusiasts. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. With three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. Welcome, everyone. Uh, great to be back with every, with you all. We have a repeat guest and a new guest, so this is exciting. I don't have Clyde and Anthony with me today, but we'll, just, we'll we'll jump into all of that in a moment. I'll jump in. I'm really excited about these two. We are all alum of Gabelli's School of Business, Fordham, and we've met at different times. Um, they could be my kids. Uh, I had... Well, I'm going to pull this full circle. Actually, Avneeth Guman is here, and Jason Cortata. Am I saying your names properly? Correct. All right, we're good. Good morning. Jump in. Jump in. What would you say? It's deeper in the throat. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. All right, this is gonna get it's gonna get too brown for a lot of people real quick. All right, this is gonna and, be awesome. Before before we move forward, my name is Gurudita, and Gurudita. it's okay. Sorry, man. Gurudita, you know. All right, so let's get into it. So this whole our our group came together. Technically, Avneeth is indirectly involved with this all this whole thing. Avneeth, when she was a student, she's an MBA student, second year, I think. She was the president of the Private Equity Venture Club. And somehow we synced up and then I gave, this is during the pandemic, so we're all at our homes and there's like 30, 40 some people there and we gave like a little private equity G-Tech talk about a bunch of different things and then after that, I really enjoyed it. I think the questions were solid and this whole, that whole happened because of Neith. Neith and I chatted first with her group and then we jumped on and said, okay, this is, this works. And then I, and then there was the media and communications group that was there alongside with you, and then Professor Bojena Mizueska, who I'm, I adore. She's absolutely amazing. She was there. I said, so her and I had a follow-up and said, hey, what else could we do? And she, then we just eventually landed into, would you like to teach a class in this? Like, financing is a media entertainment. And she, that's what my fund does. We invent entertainment, so sports, tech, media plays. And that's what happened. So I, then I think it took like a year and change later, from no, like 2020 all the way up until... Then spring 2021 is when the class was greenlit, and then we went for it. And then Jason was in that class. Boom. So it was like full circles. And he was like, he was a grown-up in the room. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> he was he was keeping us all at bay, and he was awesome. I've given him uh, due props. He was just amazing in the class. He was one of my sharpest students. You know, a banker by day um, and by night. Disco dancer. I'm kidding. I don't know what he does at night. But and Avneet is in at Merck, and we can get into all of that. One other thing, Avneet did a big solid for the, us favor favor for our Whiskey Hue podcast. I think when you had a newsletter or something that used to go out regularly every week, you would highlight our podcast. I think for for a while. Appreciate it. We went from millions oh, really? to billions of listeners. Uh, and became the number one podcast globally. I'm just kidding, maybe slightly, uh, but that's how we that's how we all met. You jump into a deeper dives. You, I respect both of you tremendously, and I'm so excited to have you both on. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Avneet, give us a deeper dive into who you are, please. Um, I love that question, and thank you for the introduction and our journeys to how we got here at this moment. Um, who am I? I am a little bit rebellious. Um, but mostly enthusiastic about change. And I think that that has led the trajectory of my life for most of my life. I've always been a little bit um, on the fringe of what's next because I always hate what everyone's already been doing. I always wanted to be first at whatever the next thing was. 
And at Fordham, that was, I don't see any brown women in venture capital and private equity. And this is where the seats of power are. Why isn't anyone that looks like me sitting here? And why isn't anyone giving funding to people that look like me? Like we are sharp and incredible people. Like what's going on here? Um, and that has led me to um, really make sure that I have, I am also sitting in seats of power in industries such as biotech and pharma um, and also in music. Um, so I'm currently a, was a global strategist in vaccine strategy at Merck and now I'm in business engagement, global business engagement at still in global vaccines at Merck, which has been probably one of the most fulfilling and interesting roles I've ever had in my life. Um, previously been in metastatics before it was cool. So I was there when everyone was like, what do you even do? Um, and I've been singing since I was 17. So I've been in the underground of the music industry for probably half of my life at this point. So yeah, I'm here and hopefully making a change and hopefully speaking for people that need a voice. Amazing. Amazing. Jason, jump in. Truly inspirational stuff. What's, what's yeah. ironic in this particular moment is that uh, last year at some point, probably around this time of comes to Fordham because she was doing, actually she was, she was coming to your class to discuss her role and Speak, we were discussing, yeah. yeah, the idea of, you know, what it looks like to work in a company that is known globally. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, uh, opinions about that, obviously, but that's neither here nor there. But Avneeth in that moment asked me the same question. He goes, who is Jason Gertata? Tell me. Because Avneeth and I were, we missed each other because although she was a second year Fordham candidate, I was a first year Fordham candidate at that time. And I came in as, you know, guns blazing, trying to make a name for myself, trying to do all the right things. Uh, and yet the perception of what people see from the outside is not always the perception that is within. And I think that's what I need happened to see. And that's how we connected actually, because of this, like this, this idea of like, Hey, I am a person going to the school. You're a person going to the school. We happen to be Brown, but that wasn't the reason we were friends. It was more of, Hey, you're interesting. How can I get to know you? And, and so I respect the question now. And, and to, to answer the question, it's how can I de de describe myself in a sentence? I would say I'm determined, I'm resilient and ambitious, but echoing uh, of Neat's statement, I'm better today than I was yesterday. And I think wow. it's, imp it's important to know that because uh, similar to both of your guys, like, you know, career trajectories, uh, been through a lot, uh, hell and back and trying to make the absolute best of it. Uh, having a positive attitude every day, waking up with a big fat smile on my face, regardless of the problems, the issues that lie and, and finishing the day off strong as best possible, you know, and there's ups and there's downs. But I think the most, most important aspect to, to recognize is that we're living, we're breathing, we have roofs over our heads and we're working hard for a better goal, better life than, you know, what our parents had. And, and I think it's important to stick through, to remember that. And even through the hard times to not forget about that. But, uh, also similar to Avneet, I've been singing since I was two or three, I think two, two and a half. I won my first, uh, singing competition. I was like three years old and I sang the Arthi at, at Queens Community College. And that was like a thing nice. and, uh, have been going back and forth and yeah, I dabble in it. And yeah, I, I, I definitely like produce tracks here and there just for shits and giggles, really. But uh, the if if I were to have a dream, and I'm gonna, I have a quote that I'm gonna bring back in just a moment. But uh, uh, it would be to definitely go into music to some degree, and I and I aspire to do that at some point. So you're not getting out of here, either of you, without singing a verse uh, at some point. We'll get that. We'll get you a little more tipsy. Uh, we'll get, we'll get into that. No, absolutely. And I love that space. I, Already there. They've heard enough about my background. I think, but we've done it all too. So, but I love it. I love it. Actually, we were 
kicking it. So again, Jason, of course, the grown up in the room, after my class, we went down to his office because he had an office. As an adjunct, I do not. As a student, president of the whatever, what was it, student body? He, he had an office. I'm like, hey, hey want to go to my office, have a drink? I'm like, you have an office? Damn, man. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I got a table at the subway. <laughs> I told you, I but came in nice. guns blazing, needed the office. Yeah, no, we hung out. No, I appreciate it, and you were amazing in class. And that was episode, I think it was 85, 86, if you want to check that out with Jason, um, Patricia, and... On mole, on mole was on ours, right? So yeah, but no, Jason, absolutely appreciate having you in class. It was amazing, and Avneeth crushed it. And she came and did a whole deck, and it was she, she again the two grown ups in the room, and then you had my monkey ass hanging out in the back. So we had fun. It was a good time. So we're gonna go into our drinks. So I want you to just quickly tell us what you're drinking today, and then we're gonna go into deeper dives on what that drink means to you later on in the pod. Avneeth. So I can. Perfect. Thank you. So I am drinking the Conundrum from the Wagner Farms. It's a 2020 from California. And I got this specific bottle from my Napa trip that I made in early August, which was a much needed break right before I transitioned to um, my new role. So I think you could call this my promotion bottle, my my I made it bottle. So, yeah, (laughs) beautiful bottle. Nice. Thank you, Jason. I'm a Scotch guy, and I hope it's not the same one I was drinking on the last pod, but I switched between a Glenlivet and a Macallan and some of the Belvines. But the Glenlivet 12 is today's drink. Uh, it's smooth, a uh, hint of vanilla. It's always, always, always gets the mood going when you need to. Nice. Talking man. to you, wink, I wink. think I'm doing, I'm doing one, a repeat hit, just because we're all Daisy on the pods. First time we got to have some Daisies on here, uh, so we got to up it up the game a little bit. Um, I, I brought Rumpur. Have you heard of this one? Mm. Yeah. So... So I, you know, there's Amrut. Everyone talks about Amrut as a Desi one. Eh, it's garbage. I'm just kidding. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, even the Fusion, that's the high end one. It's alright. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like this, this Rumpur. I got. I have both of them. There's the Honeydew one, and then there's this. It's got like a Honeydew-ish flavor to it, and it's. And I don't like soft. I don't like blunt. I mean, you know, I, I don't want a twenty dollar bottle of whiskey because <laughs> that's garbage. But uh, like, but even this one's smooth and it's not expensive I think it's like in the 50 60 dollar range right it's like right Jason probably you would know because just about okay so and it's it's a decent bottle of wine it's smooth and it's just it's got it has a nice deep texture of flavor so we'll go into that why it means something to all of us now look we've I, I we rarely talk about South Asia we talk about American culture a lot on this pod and one of my, like, you know, I don't even think Clyde knows that I'm what kind of Indian I am. He's like, when you dance, is it rain? He's racist. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but so these are the things that happen. So we're we're South Asian, all three of us. I think we're two and a half Bunjus in a Rajasthani, right? Is that what we got going on here? We have of uh, Nita nine hundred percent. Maybe it's like two point seven five. I'm like half half of that and half. Rajasthani. I'm so Punjabi oh. that Jason can take like the other fifty percent. So right now you're one hundred percent Punjabi. <laughs> you're like Jason's one hundred twenty five percent now. Uh, <laughs> we should get into that. So we're going to talk about South Asian culture because we just got out of October last year was deemed Hindu Heritage Month, and then obviously all wow. days he celebrated. Uh, and this is 2021. I think North Carolina governor started it, and then it kind of bled across the America. So they've recognized kind of you know we're important folks too we kind of get we should get a month <laughs> you know um and which is beautiful because we get to celebrate among all the other diverse groups in america too which i love i mean I, that's what our culture is main big time about mainly about is we all progress together right we're immigrants generally where we are aside from india and kind of everything we, we're going to talk about however anywhere any impact we make we want it to be a benefit a net benefit to society and everyone else who lives there not just ourselves which i love that about our culture so we'll get into all of that and you know we've come off a lot of holidays diwali was just last week um i don't know if 
well, I mean, you probably don't do yet, but like, you know, there's Garvachoth in our family. So in our family, my, my, one of my, my dad used to do it. My, one of my cousins used to do, he did it for like a couple minutes. And then I've done it with my wife all along just to do it. And, you know, so it's been a long time running. So I do it. And then three days later, you have to do Ahoy, which is for your kids. There, you know, so that's, you know, it's like intermittent fasting, but then we pig out at the end, so it's not good. You know, you, there's no net gain to the, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of net gain on the weight. Uh, so that's what we do. But we, we've done all that. We're going to get into how the Desi success, Desi is a kind of another term, an endearing term for South Asian folks, is a net positive society, as we mentioned. We should talk about briefly. Uh, you know, I think all, we're generally very humble. We don't really celebrate as much as we sh- can and should, right? Uh, you know, but I think we should. Let's take a minute to do that. We'll talk about South Asians, and then we'll talk about venture. Uh, all three of us are keenly interested in that space, and we have impact in that space in our own way, So, and we're going to continue to. So we'll talk about that. If we can get into some other things, recessionary topics, whatever comes out, we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. UK Prime Minister, uh, you know, it's, it's our, let's talk about some cool glimpses and irony i love how when he got on, he had a very obama-like presence he said it's not about indians you know succeeding here it's about british people succeeding obama's did the same thing obama did this and i saw the same thing i hadn't seen that with anyone else uh, a minority premise but could, there haven't been too many globally you know like if you're looking but then when you see the indian guy do it come up kind of very similar tone even though he's a conservative on the conservative party so very similar this is about us succeeding together we're in a we're kind of in a gripe right now and we have to build ourselves out of it now the cool thing is he arrived to meet king charles in a in a in a range rover so it's an indian guy meeting a british prime minister they used to rule over india for a while a good chunk a couple hundred years and he arrives in a range rover which is now which is a british car automaker is owned by tata indian automaker kind of dope kind of dope and he said all those positive words he's like he wanted to start everything on a positive note and then we'll discuss a lot of other things. Let's start it off with something, some irony. So I'm a bit older than you guys, like a lot of it. Uh, so let's talk about, did you ever have this happen to you? So in the 1990s, just a level set here, South Asians in America, and specifically Indians, became the wealthiest group per capita in America. So and I remember distinctly being at an Indian party at a friend's house and we were playing basketball outside and Indian uncle came out drinking black label probably and he did what uncle Indian uncles do he goes hey stupid <laughs> hey you guys playing the basketball he goes you know that we we're the wealthiest per capita uh, you know of all the group in India in, in America I said yeah that's, that's great he goes yeah so basically he was basically saying work hard play hard but don't be stupid because we did this for you so you got to keep it moving forward right and you know because they always compliment you and slap your ass at the same time um, that's 100%. kind of an Indian uncle thing uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking of doing it to my kids now too probably abusing them the way I was I'm kidding <laughs> but, <laughs> so but it was awesome he goes but you know they're harsh but then they're like hey don't mess it up you just got to work hard and keep the keep it growing and then grow the community so and he goes and then he goes I love you and did you any did either of you have any similar experiences to that go ahead Jason 100% uh, yeah, like echoing it 100% actually. Every Indian uncle I know, first thing they ask, what are your SAT scores? Where are you going to college? <laughs> what is uh, what is your GPA? Right? So like that all, and it's funny because as you, as you age, that becomes less and less important. However, the values that are instilled there, I still feel that are instilled in me and I'm definitely going to instill in my kids. And I hated doing that as a kid, you know? I remember like piano lessons on Sundays, making sure I'm getting my homework done, making sure I'm going doing XYZ, whatever, whatever. And, and the, the important aspect was like this idea of being consistent and sticking to something and completing it. Right. I, I don't think the middle is, is so 
No, I shouldn't say that. It's definitely important. It's important to, to teach the ki- your kids the values that will make them successful in the future. Indian parents did it. You know, they slap you a little bit. They, they push you around a little bit. They make sure that they you know that they're in charge, but at the same time, the <laughs> values that they instill uh, are, are phenomenal. And like my, my parents, for example, and like a lot of the people that I grew up with, they're very encouraging. Uh, a little harsh, a little blunt. There's not a filter there, but they want the best for you and they'll continue to push push throughout, you know? And then once you make it, that expectation is just there, that you're just going to continue to strive for success no matter what you're doing. Uh, Avneet, what is your take? I think my take is that the standards were always clear, mm. right? I think with Indian society, we are the best hostess. We treat our guests like yeah. they're God, but we treat our kids like there's no room for error. <laughs> yeah, right? That's true. Right, there's Preach. no room for mistake. And we, we also do that to, the, you know, we, we still have that village mentality, I think, especially within our own families. Yeah. In, in some weird dichotomy, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but it's there. And I think the, our honesty in our community about our standards um, allows, makes us a little bit judgmental, but also keeps us on our toes and keeps us on our game. And I've always been keenly aware that I'm being judged. I've always, <laughs> <laughs> I've I love it. So always true. known that at the end of the day, Loki Kikange, right? That's the Punjabi way to say it. And in Hindi, it might sound a little bit more flowery and, and, and proper, but it's like, you know, mama, papa say, Loki ki kyaan ke, tu ki kita, you know, zindagi the bitch, right? Eho jaya, you know, socha. You know, this is the kind yeah. of thinking we have. So, it doesn't matter if you're Punjabi, it doesn't matter if you're Sri Lankan, it doesn't matter if you're Tamil, like, that is the expectation. I love it. And if you're not a millionaire by the time you're 25, 30, then like, yeah, you're a failure, you stupid kid I got. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. I mean, kind of. But you know. Uh, you know, so you have to figure things out, right? And they push you to, and education was always incredibly strong. We've done this on a previous episode, so I won't belabor it. But yeah, education was always instilled. It doesn't matter what you're learning, just be awesome at it and just crush it, you know, hopefully. And then I don't know if, how, we probably got smart. We were great at memorization. We were great. Hey, I knew math tables like when I was in kindergarten and all my friends were like, how do you do that stuff? I was like, I got beaten if I didn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but so we, but we knew that and it, it was helpful later in life. It's definitely helpful in my job now. Uh, so these things all come into, come in handy. Uh, do another deeper level of level setting. Let's get into like, so China will be, you know, right now we, we know, I think we should, economies, U.S. is, you know, the largest uh Economy right now, I think China, Japan, California, technically is number four if they are separate. So China will become number one by 2030. So six, seven years away, right? Eight years away, uh, seven, eight years. Let's let's go the long game. So this has been running for like 10, 12 years, but we're going to see the fruition of it like 2030. So in like seven, just just over seven years, India will be the largest consumer by 2045. So just 15 years later. So China's going to have a run rate of 15 years. India will be right behind their tails. China, and China's done something beautiful where they brought a lot. Their, their poverty levels 20 years ago were incredibly high compared to even India. They've crushed it and they've really recalibrated due to whatever they, you know, we can get into that in another topic, a pod. But they did that and they have a budgeting middle class, which is causing other hurdles. But then, hey, we are the supply chain for the world. And we have a middle class that they want, the world wants to appease as well. So they're a perfect setup for the 2030 play. India 
has some of the youngest demographic. They have the youngest demographic of folks under 25. So 2045, what does this mean when we become the largest consumers? Then brands globally start to align by what these these people need and want. And they start putting us as a priority, which is amazing, right? So these things are all going to happen. They're going to have tremendous power and influence over what brands are doing because we are now becoming the faces of some of their brands uh, of who they're trying to appeal to. You mentioned the village thing of need. Let's let's dig deeper into that. So you know, like a lot of our folks, and then we'll this will come up in the venture conversation as well. You know, folks like our parents like couldn't get my my parents came in the sixties, seventies. My dad, you know, like a long he got here early, early. Like he lived much more in, of his life here than in India, uh, and so and then he was with at one of those first cohorts. I think there's a first Gurdwara was built in California, it was like nineteen prior to 1910 even, I think 1907, 1906, something like that. So we had a lot of folks, those we were brought, it's kind of an indentured servants and, you know, on the West Coast, right? And then, technically, and to build railroads, trucks, and all this stuff. And then we, were, then there's another influx in 65 with the whole immigration laws. They opened it up because they preferred Western folks until 65, then open up the floodgates because, hey, we need talent, talented people. We want to be the most innovative company, country in the world. We need to allow this phenomenal talent. That's how, like, a lot of our families started arriving here. And they went for it. It was an amazing opportunity. And 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 the, I'm, I applaud our community. They, they've crushed it. I think there's some more things we can do, and you know, internally. But we all can say that about everything, right? So that, but it's amazing. I love the progress thus far. In 50, 60 years, what we've done, you know, heads of many companies, uh, you know, owning football and a f- basketball, the NBA and an NFL team, and and then part owners of the Golden State Warriors, even for a chunk of time. So it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to see all that. When you mentioned the village thing of Neath, it brought me to like, hey, when they arrived, they let's say they wanted they were very entrepreneurial. That's why we synced with the American culture because America is kind of like a startup relative to other countries. It's new and innovative, and they go and they pursue. And Indians had that mentality: we have to go, crush it, pursue, learn the lay of the land, and just go for it. And but they couldn't get loans from banks. We've we've talked about this. I think all three of us have together. So what do they do? They created their own investment banks within their own communities to help each other thrive because they had that. Because a lot of them arrived here. My dad arrived with a hundred bucks in his pocket and a suitcase, and that hundred bucks wasn't from his folks. It was maybe twenty bucks from his folks, another five or ten from a neighbor, five or ten. You go make it. We'll all succeed. That was like kind of the beautiful, right? Play on that. So when they got here, they had that inherent kind of desire to help the next woman man up as well. So they started kind of, hey, let's put whatever money we have, 5, 10K into like this pool. And then if someone wants to start a business, we give them a low interest loan. He pays it back to us and we keep paying it forward. That's how this community grew. Jewish communities have done something very similar as well, right? Uh, kind of take each other. And then all these beautiful things is they flip this and they get into these high paying positions generally. And then they give back to their local communities. Not just South Asians, other people as well, which is beautiful. Like we just did a food drive for that benefits everyone in our community, and and we all do that. Take that for a minute. So you know, like so we're high tax contributors, which helps the local economies. Plus, with them we give to charity and heavy donors, and we ex- we understand the importance of community. Take that for a moment. We're talking for a while, Professor and me. I'm sorry. I'm gonna pull back now. Go for it. So when it comes to the entire story you were talking about, about how our money wasn't accepted by white institutions hits home really, really hard. And that was the thing I was thinking about all day in anticipation of talking to you guys. I didn't know if it would come up because it's such an integral story. It's, it's an origin story for so many of us who saw our parents like drive taxis or like work at gas stations that only had like one or two pumps and then eventually own their own gas stations, right? Um, I come from a gas station family, no surprise there. <laughs> Liquor store family. <laughs> 
<laughs> I get um, gas and liquor, so that's all I do. <laughs> Go for it. But I don't think people are aware of what we saw growing up, right? I don't think people understand what's ingrained in our minds. And it's the imagery of our parents having to work like the lowliest jobs or have businesses that mm. weren't prestigious. Meanwhile, I, I came from the first Brown family to like one of the first Brown families to settle in Long Island. And my dad has a whole, what happened to my dad? My dad was actually one of like the wealthiest Punjabis in New York. And then, and then everything came crumbling down. Yeah. Sorry. That's very <laughs> everything good. Came, <laughs> that was very, very good. Um, and then everything came crumbling down when I was about four or five for reasons that, you know, are actually archived in the Columbia University um, archives, which is insane. Um, but my dad's like an OG OG. And what we saw was like mafia meddling in Punjabi communities because we were moving into Richmond Hills, them not wanting us to like live in that area, right? What we saw was people not accepting our money. So we had to do brown paper bag deals under tables, right? Mm. We saw our families driving taxis, having to survive um, in ways that were difficult, right? So, but a lot of the, our families that came from India, we came in with the mentality of being owners. Because in Punjab, typically, and, and this goes very deep into just Punjab history, right? Um, under like the type of rulers that we had. Like, I can get really deep into that but I don't think it's relevant to the conversation, but it, but it ties into the fact that most people are landowners. And there was an emphasis on not being a laborer, but being involved in agriculture, being involved in mercantilism, and making sure that you were um, right in a seat of power. So a lot of our parents came here with the mentality of, it doesn't matter if I'm sweeping floors right now. It doesn't matter if I'm you know, riding a taxi right now. It doesn't matter if I have to work at the pump. I am going to be an owner. Because we came in with mm. a business acumen of owning a farm, Love of that. having that embedded in us from being a Punjabi. And it's certain tax laws that were like passed in India in the 70s. And then the stuff that happened in the 80s in Punjab, like my family, my dad left a month before the 1980 um, for oh, wow. genocide in India, in Punjab. So he left a month before all of that started happening. Wow. So very, very lucky in that regard. Um, but, you know, you come to this country with the idea of ownership and having to pull every single one of your relatives out of poverty. And it's not just yeah. regular poverty. Like the poverty that is now in Punjab is like awful, right? So we've always had this idea of pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps, but also making sure we become leaders in business, but also owners. So ha I think as brown business people, we, we're always like, yeah, we got to have our own. But we also, we can be corporate professionals to take up space, have seats of power, but we also want to make sure we always own something and have something of mm. ours separate that nobody can take because we've seen disenfranchisement um, like across the board, right? Yeah. It's, it's interesting to say that, to see, to see both of your stories like that, because I think the idea of the village, the idea of giving back to the community is so crucial to what we've done. Uh, so my, my dad has a similar story uh, in the sense of, so I don't think you guys know this, but my dad was actually born in Afghanistan. And this is before, this is before the invasion that Russia did back in like the like in the seventies or so. And so my dad's born in Afghanistan. Uh, my, my grandparents originally from Punjab, uh, my grandma was from Delhi, that uh, grandpa was from Punjab. They 
they move over. They're like, oh, we're going to, similar to having your own, we had farms there. What we're going to do is we're going to own farms here and we're going to kill it when it comes to dry fruits, almonds, nuts, etc. And they have a lucrative business, super lucrative. They import from India, Pakistan, or not at the time, but to, uh, from Afghanistan to India, etc. And then overnight, their, their businesses come to a halt, literally overnight, to the point where my dad is looking for... Uh, what, what do I do? How do I, how do I get out of this? So he, he's one of the lucky ones. He gets to go to school in Amritsar. He gets shipped off and says, okay, boarding school, it is for you. You're smart. Let's make it happen. Nice. We're going to, we're going to put all of our, all the money that we have currently, we're going to bring you there. Dad goes to boarding school for a little while. Um, and, and some of the stories that resonate with him today are still from those days when he was growing up there, the values that he learned still, I can, like, those are the stories that I've like, you know, learned, listened to growing up and the values are always do the best you possibly can, but give back to your community. Make sure you're doing something that is helping the other person that, as you can. Dad, let's fast forward a couple of years, 1980s, dad fin- finishes school, but he can't afford to go to college because it's difficult there. And like because of the, the issues with the, the house, they lost all this stuff in Afghanistan overnight, and, and now all the money dried up, and there's nothing going on, and it's been seized or whatever the case may be. Dad comes here, similar to your story, $100 in his pocket, uh, trying to figure it out. Doesn't give a ish if he's driving a cab or working at a warehouse or something of that nature. Yeah. And he's doing the absolute best he can because with the mentality that one day he will be an owner. He'll have something to say on his own. The house that he got kicked out of Afghanistan, the house that was, was, was not necessarily his in India, he comes here and says, I'm going to move to New York. Out of any other state, I can go to Wyoming, I go to Mississippi. Yeah, we have, there's Punjabis there, there's, there's Desis there, whatever. But no, I want to come to New York, the land of, land, of the, land of the free. I need to do it. And he does it. And the resiliency, the, the determination to push it through to, and bring the whole family with him. He took bets during the recession. Uh, let's fast forward a little more. So now we're in 2010. Our liquor stores are, are being hit by the recession hard. No, the guy who wants to buy Grey Goose is not buying Grey Goose anymore because, well, we hit everybody. And now we either double down and we close our business and we go home and, and figure it out. Or we double down in with what we're doing and decide to expand. And that's exactly what he did. And it took so the nice. guts, the effort, the the believing in yourself that I'm I'm going to make it happen no matter what, and he did. And knock on wood, today it's lucrative, doing well, well over the the money is not even the problem. It's the fact that I came, I saw, and I conquered. And Boom. those stories resonate with our generation so hard. Yes, Abneet and I can say that. Yeah, we went to the we went to graduate school. Yes, we went. We're going through corporate America. We're doing our thing. But that mentality that we need something of our own will lie within us forever. And I think if we continue to strive towards the same success that our parents did, where they don't care if they're driving a cab, they don't sell if they're selling gas, they don't care if they're selling gas. Well, we don't care how many hours we're working at the moment where we wake up at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., go for a run, make sure we're at our desk on time doing what you have to do. You can ask me to stay at my desk till 9 p.m. And if it's for right now, if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. But ultimately, at some point in time, there's going to be uh, a moment where I can see that I can seize and I know for a fact that I will be an owner of X, Y, and Z and that X, Y, and Z is yet to come, but it's not too far away. I love that. I love it. And then, you know, the instilling of education, the hard work, commitment, and set your own destiny, then hey, education became primary, which is why, you know, we make up 1% of the U.S. population, but we over-index in 4 to 5% of the CEOs in the Fortune 500, which is kind of dope. Right, and these are Microsoft, like companies that help everyone, every everyone, you know, Adobe, you know, all these other Pepsi. There's a lot of females out CEOs as well. There's Natri, which is a new venture fund specifically for. Do you know them? Do you know it's specifically for 
females, uh, you know, because who didn't have a network that wanted a stronger network, and then we'll invest, we'll back you as if if we can help and provide value to the community. And it's it's just amazing you're seeing all these things. We should talk about just a step back. So this is an immigrant story, you know, uh, and I'm including everyone beyond South Asian, every immigrant. You know, there's a stat I read: 44 percent of all Fortune 500 companies were founded by immigrants or their children in America, right? A fifth of those are first generation immigrants. Right, and and so history tells us like if you support innovation, you create new industries and new jobs. And if immigrants have started like fifty, sixty percent of all the startups that are worth that are unicorns, like over a billion dollars in America, so that's kind of dope, right? If you dial that back in uh, into South Asia, there's you know obviously over indexing there as well. It's it's amazing. You know, there's a clear link. You know, like we had like the H one B. Workers and innovations that they tried to clamp it down in the last administration, um, and then you know, it it is less than three percent of the workforce, but they have these high paying. But we're involved in you know they're involved in like twenty five percent of all the U S patents. These are great stats, and it all comes from that work ethic, and you know, and and just trying to crush it at, at all levels. I love that about our, our, our people, and, uh, and I love how they're giving back to the community and every chance they get. And it's not that they're taking anyone else's job. It's because we need more people to create more on this American soil because then that keeps us the number one economy in the world, right? And, and I love that. Avni, do you have a take on that? Any, any input? I think that idea of immigrant children being pillars of community in a way because the businesses where – leading our global entities, right? And they impact everyone. And the point of them is to make everyone's lives better, right? I, I, I have this theory that when you've seen struggle or if you're closely tied to struggle, you have more of a stake in equity of what your business or product can solve. I think the most poignant moment in my career was actually before I started my job in pharma, I'd already signed the contract, but it was during the pandemic. It was during the summer, summer 2020. I was interning. No, no, no. It was after I interned 2021, right before I started my role. Um, I was talking to my grandma and she was in our village right outside of Jalandhar. And I'm talking to her in Punjabi and I'm like, which means have you gotten the vaccine yet or no? Right. And she says, no, we haven't gotten the vaccine. And I literally thought to myself, I'm going to be a global vaccine strategist in two months at the largest vaccine manufacturer in the world. And I can't even get you access Mm. to this vaccine that people are here in this country fighting about. Meanwhile, in India, we would kill to have even a quarter of the health infrastructure we have here. Right. So I think that keenness, that awareness of struggle, when you've seen firsthand what plague and disease looks like, when you hear stories of, you know, children dying from just like RSV, and they can't put a name to what that, what that is, that we have these vaccines in the US, it, your heart is in it. Um, Right. And, and I also think that there's this element of, um, I, I think there's this, (laughs) I don't, this is a hot take, but there's this element of wanting white validation, but then throwing it away at the same time. (laughs) I don't know if you agree, but I'm super proud of my Punjabi roots. I love my music. I love my food. I love my culture. I love my dress. You know, 
and I don't mind acting a little hood, right? Like I've seen some things, right? But I don't, I, to me, it feels really nice knowing where my family came from, what I've seen and being able to like crush it and come back home and be like, I'm a little thug. Like I'm, I'm kind of cool, you know? Like, so I feel really cool knowing that I can code switch and be in a seat of power and still be myself at the end of the day and rep for my people. So I don't know if you... No, I love that. We're taking our so we're going back in December, right? We're taking the kids. The kids for the first time because they were kind of younger. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to. We didn't want to do it. Uh, and then pandemic hit, so then we got delays. So we had plans to go two, three times before. Now we're finally doing it in December, and mm-hmm. we don't want them to go to the nice homes that they're in now. We're going to go back to the pin, right? For so like on yes, my wife's sir. side, we're going to go there. We're going to on ours. We're going to go to Jug, which is near Kanda, which is the Diana area. So we're going to do mm-hmm. all of this and check it out because I want them to see where we came from. Because my parents had taken us. And I said, oh, wow. And then now where they live, nice homes and everything. And then, you you know, Delhi, Mumbai, wherever you go, a lot of beautiful cities. The beauty, it's like New York on crack, right? Because you'll have extreme wealth and poverty within like the same mile. Right, uh, you can have that in big in pockets, and that, so that's there's it there's that dichotomy to that economy. Uh, when you have that many people, that's kind of what tends to happen. But once we lift those up, I can't wait to see what they do when they have solutions. Kind of like what China's done with their population, brought a large portion into middle class. India's on its front to do that as well, and I'm, mm-hmm. I can't wait. Uh, I'm excited to see it, but I I want them to see where where it is now. So they're going to see the nice side of it. And they're going to see some of the old hardcore stuff. You know, and it's funny because we'll always go back, and even that family that's living in the old bin that we go to in that home, they're not doing well. You know, our families came mm-hmm. from here 56 years ago. They're there now. They offer us jai. Come in. They're the beautiful, most beautiful hosts, just like you said of Neat in your point early on, right? Always going to give you a cup of jai, some snacks, and give you what they can, uh, shirt off your back type of thing. And I love that about the culture. We should get into who are some of your kind of heroes in this space that are people that have kind of crushed it here, uh, South Asians that have done done well here? Because there's so many to pick from, but one or two that kind of stand out to you? Okay. So one is like super thisy, but you can't hate me for it. Actually, it's between two. Okay. Ah. Uh, all right, so I okay, it's Indra Nuyi for sure. Okay, because right. I think she is an outlier, but she carries herself like it doesn't matter. Mm. And I'll never forget something she said, which is like, when you've come from where I come from, you don't want to go back, and you have okay. that awareness. And I saw what my family had to go through to get to where we are today, and like. People think I'm like this privileged girl, whatever. I'm like, you don't know what I saw. I could write a book. Most of us could write books about what we saw. Our parents could write books. Each and every one of our parents could write autobiographies that would be thrillers, right? So Indra Nui, 100%, I think, is one of them. Um, and I think the second, it's either between Siddhu Musiala or Diljito Sanj. Oh, and, nice. Give it to me. Right. All right. Right. Because Siddhu Musiala, he was outspoken. He kind of, he kind of spoke his future into existence. Like he was really into Tupac. He was really, yeah. it was a little bit of a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy in a way. Live by the dun- gun, die by the gun. You know what I mean? And I very close, to, I was actually trying to get a collaboration with him. Oh, wow. A few months before he died with one of my friends. That's amazing. Bunga Bangla. 41X Music, Ivory Shakur, you guys know who you are. It didn't work out. Unfortunately, he died before that happened. But I also think Diljit Dosanj literally put his career on the line to rep Mm. for Punjabis and the farmers' protests. And 
he literally said, you know, if Indian government's not going to back me up on this, if people aren't going to support me, then I'm just going to need my people. And I've never seen somebody alienate themselves in such a risky way to rep for the people the way Bill G did in my entire career. So, yeah. I love it. You know, a similar story. So, you know, there's like right now, Nas and Drake, I have to get them props because they're doing a lot for Desis. Like, they, you know, they keep talking about, they talked about what you just said. Drake mentioned it several times. He's from Canada, so he gets it, right? Uh, and then Nas just came out with our boy, right? A couple, it was last week, right? And his, at his New York show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, similar story, you were, you were about to do some, I had a deal, we were doing something with Chris Lighty. So I, I did a lot in the urban, hip, like hip hop and R&B space. Mm-hmm. And I had, we were working on something, Chris, Chris Lighty, as you know, he's like just a significant influence in the hip hop genre, he's the one that kind of walked. I know people on both sides of this deal. The the Vital Water deal that Fifty Cent was a part of. Chris Lighty got that deal done. He goes, I don't want a sponsor. I want equity in Vital Water. And on the flip side, there's the Daisy guy, Rohan Oza, who got he was fired from Coca Cola for being too innovative. He went to work for Vital Water, ended up taking that company, and they sold it to Coca Cola for four billion dollars. He caught a bag. I loved hearing that story, and that's how. And it was Rohanoza, a Desi guy, that was behind that whole thing. And when he, we heard him speak about that, and then I was on, I was doing something with Chris Lay, and then he passed away because of stuff happening in his community as well, uh, in his family. Sorry, but we could have done some pretty cool things there. I mean, we have a lot of like, you know, one of the founders of YouTube, uh, you know, Javed Karim, South Asian, Balaji Surashinavasan, Paul Gruel, Coinbase, Coinbase, Cal Penn, White Castle, The White House. These are good stories, right? And then <laughs> Priyanka Chopra, obviously, mega Bollywood superstar, Hollywood star now. Neeraj Aurora, he was the main guy, the biz dev behind WhatsApp. And then he's the reason they got that crazy valuation that, you know, uh, Facebook came in and grabbed him at. But he was the kind of the tech biz dev genius behind the entire thing. Uh, and, and, and I love how we're, we're, we're celebrating all this. We have a lot of people, you know, we, Naval Ravikant is another person people should kind of be paying attention to. He's kind of like this, he's founder of AngelList and a bunch of different funds, worth a tremendous amount. And he's just, he's this philosophical investor, which is kind of unique, right? And he's, and he goes on these long diatribes, and, but it's so fascinating to listen to. Usually, he's like the brown Gary V but with more substance. <laughs> Gary Vee's amazing. He's great at brand building and all that. But Gary Vee, after a while, he just wants to hear himself talk, kind of, you know? You gotta love him for it, but it works. He's like, you know, 40s, 50s, whatever he is, but he knows how to resonate with a 22-year-old who's gonna buy anything that he puts in front of him. Similarly, yeah. like, Naval is, but he's high-level, incredibly thoughtful speaker, but he's an incredible investor as well. And and always, he responds to an email. One of you, if you drop one, he's just a great guy that way. Um, we could probably wrap in the South Asian arena. You know, like Patagonia. Let's give, give another shout out. So Patagonia, hey. nothing, nothing to do with, oh, there you go. Nothing to do with, <laughs> she's already ready for the VC world. So nothing to do with the South Asian uh, thing, but what the, the f- founders just stepped down and donated a $3 billion fortune to charity like it's some sort of foundation or some sustainable kind of play similarly i want to like you know dr bose who created the bose you know right the speaker all of those he was an mit superstar professor i mean but he had launched this company and done incredibly well and went back to teach investing tech technology and all that when he passed he gave a certain amount of shares to mit and they generate hundreds of millions of dollars free cash every year Right, and these are the kind of stories that you kind of love to hear. And then, obviously, he kept a chunk for his family and everyone. And the but he's benefiting the community because look how many phenomenal people come out of MIT, right? And that's all. A lot of that's because of dollars he put there. And uh, you know, Teen Vogue, Patek Philippe, you know, Patek, the Philippe, the the watch company, Patek Philippe, the highest uh, cost uh, costing um, 
watch is in their domain. It's not a Rolex or anything, but Patek Philippe is beautiful. CFOs are the easy guy. Usually, a lot of times, CFOs are paid more than CEOs because they're kind of more instrumental to the success of the company, right? Uh, you know, and then going to Tiffany, we're, we're in different lines besides, we talked about this, besides tech, medicine, law, which were what our parents went into, right? And, and if they weren't business owners, if they, they were doing that. And then my generation started branching out. I think you or your folks are taking it even further. And then, you know, like Jay Sean had a song. They, you know, so they had, so basically I was at, I won't say the record label. You, we can talk about this offline, but like, you know, they, they could, they, they said, Hey, Uthel, you sound blackish. You look Latinish. We don't know what the bleep Indian is. Right. And that was a marketing play. That's exactly, those are the kind of words. Like, hey, you sound blackish. You look Latinish. We don't know what the F uh, Indian is. So they couldn't do anything with it. And I get it. And that's not, that's a story I heard everywhere. So they couldn't know, they didn't know how to market it because that's all it was about. Right. Jay Sean came out two years later with a hit. I remember I was in Times Square, Champ's store, uh, and hanging out. And then I heard that. I'm like, dude, I'm glad. I was so happy that he got to get them. But it came from UK. Right, because you needed that following, and then later on, he and I were neighbors. <laughs> so oh he would be God. in his Range Rover looking back at me. He's like, "Who's this other brown guy behind me?" And I'd be in my car, he'd be looking at me. I could see him looking at me, me looking at him. It would be weird. And then we meet at the ferry station every now and then. So he's like, you know, cut little, but he's like chutku, but like he's such, but he's good to the community. He's such, he's like a good dude to the community. He's like cool like that. Uh, he no longer is was. I think he moved to L.A. or something like that now, but. Props to him, man. And all these folks, like, he came and now there's a huge wave of folks, and probably maybe even you two, right? We're doing some things pretty soon. Are we going to, you want to wrap here in South Asian's place? So we, we can go forever. Or you want to jump into some investing? <laughs> JC, anything you want to say? You, were, you had to step out for a minute. Uh, he had to make an Uber delivery. Uh, he got a beep on his phone. He's like, I got to go do this Uber Eats delivery. And he came back. Now, <laughs> Jason's side hustle, baby. Samosa, <laughs> samosa chat all day. You know what it is. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not sure where you, where you guys landed, but. Um, the the Jay Sean super proud honestly he was like one of the first yeah. first guys to pave the way for exp- like the cash money deal it was you couldn't but you couldn't see you couldn't imagine Lil Wayne and, and Jay Sean in the same frame together and it was it was a big deal and yeah. I think uh, I think it's a lot of inspiration there for a lot of people just to see yeah. uh, you know brown guy big stage killing it at like the the New Year's ball drop and singing down like it's no tomorrow and and uh, I, I think I still use that phrase I, I say downline the economy all the time but that's another yeah. <laughs> Well, you can say it. You can say it a lot next week, next year. Uh, <laughs> it's coming. Down, 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 yeah, down. man. It was, it, was hot. it was a hot track back then. Right? We, I tried to get him to speak at a thing. It didn't work because my Anjula was kind of like his unofficial manager who became then Priyanka's manager. Uh, and then she's too big to return my text now because, uh, you know, she's huge. She's massive. <laughs> but she was, she's, she was kind of spearheading a lot of things that he was doing there with uh, Geffen and all these cats. So it was kind of amazing. But it had to come from that UK ground swelling support, which is where we have the first kind of prime minister. Yeah. To, you know, which is kind of dope. Same thing.